On the line to a spokesperson for the SA Rooibos Council, Adele Dutoy, to talk to us about male fertility. Uh, Adele, a very good afternoon, good evening to you, and thank you so much for speaking to us. Uh, so if you're talking about male fertility and it being at an all-time low, I'd imagine that would first uh, start with understanding what a normal sperm count is for young men between the ages of, say, 18 to 25 and then, you know, going up the categories? Sure. So thank you for having me, Tabitha. So um, a large study, as you mentioned, was done in at the University of Copenhagen where they looked at 5,000 young men. And there they found that really... For the past 50 years, the sperm count in these young men, I mean, they're like 19, 18, 19 years, have halved over the past 50 years. So when we're looking at a normal sperm count, you would look at anything above 100, um, 100 million sperm per milliliter. But also when you look at fertility, you shouldn't just only look at the count of the sperm, but you also must look at the quality of the sperm and also the movement of the sperm. So, And that's what we call sperm motility. So the sperm should be moving in the right direction and should, be, uh, uh, should have a, a good movement to penetrate the egg cell um, to cause, obviously, um, to, 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 well, to... Um, <laughs> to to uh, conception, correct. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for to to um, enable conce- conception. Mm-hmm. And um, what is uh, 100 sperm? How, did you say 100 million uh, sperms per milliliter? Like how uh, sample size? What, what, I mean, one of my listeners was asking, "What is that? Like a, a half a teaspoon? What is it?" Well, a milliliter is a, a fifth of a teaspoon. A teaspoon is five milliliters. So you can imagine it's quite a small amount of liquid. So you need to have 100 million per that fifth of a teaspoon. Correct. Remember, cells are very small and microscopic. So I know it's, it seems to be very small, but cells are very, very, very small. Hmm. And um, the... Okay, so one of the other questions is, if I, if only one sperm is needed to fertilize an egg, why do you need 100 uh, milliliters, 100 million sperm per milliliter? Well, this is the wonder of conception. Of course, we, we know it's, it's quite um, an interesting um, subject. So... Yeah, I can't answer that question. It takes only one and one egg cell to mm. make sure that a baby is born. So what are the age categories and how many, as you mentioned, 100, uh, you said that's normal, that's healthy, 100 uh, million sperms per milliliter. What do you need, though, to be able to, uh, you know, be part of the procreation phases and what, 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 amount do you need if it's below 100 milliliter can you still be able to fertilize an egg yes you can of course your fertility goes down quite significantly that's where the 100 million sperm is adele i don't okay sorry we're losing you a bit yes you can go ahead so and uh, 100 million sperm count is considered normal and anything below that obviously reduces your chances of conceiving. 
Okay. And um, just in terms of the quality, how do you determine that? So when we look at the molecular structure of a sperm cell, it needs to be healthy. And then also, as I was discussing earlier, the motility. So the way the sperm moves and direction in which it moves is very important as well. Okay. So I've got another question here from one of my listeners saying, what causes sperm damage and does daily more frequent ejaculation decrease the chances of such damage? Okay. So the the scientists aren't exactly sure why sperm count is declining so rapidly. They are thinking that obviously environmental factors and lifestyle factors have a lot to do with that. And you touched on that earlier when you you explained the maternal lifestyle factors, that if your mother smokes and and you're a man, your chances of conceiving later in life or for making your partner pregnant reduces with up to 40%, which is quite significant. It's also important to look at a baby's growth, especially in the first six months, if those babies are exposed to environmental factors that are harmful, later in life it can cause infertility and a low sperm count. Also what's important is to look at, of course, lifestyle. So if you're drinking, if you're smoking, that's really not good for your, your sperm count. And if you're exposed to a lot of stress, testosterone is the male hormone. And stress really reduces testosterone significantly, and that can have a huge impact on sperm manufacturing. So let's talk about, um, you know, illnesses such as diabetes. I'd imagine that would also contribute to reproductive health problems. Adele, I'm not sure if you're on a cell phone. I do apologize. If I could ask you to either stand still in a spot so we can hear you clearly or perhaps we'll call you back because you just keep uh, dipping at some points. Certainly, I am standing still. I apologize for that. I am on a cell phone. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just give it a go and see how it goes then. Sure. So um, if you look at diabetes, obviously it has a huge impact on um, male health in general and also reproductive health. Um, and then stress, like I said, was one of the other factors. Male obesity is something that you also need to consider. South Africa is now the third most obese country in the world. So if you have males that are overweight and obese, that will definitely have an impact on sperm count. And another one to look at is heart disease. So if you're suffering from heart disease, that will also definitely have an impact on your fertility. Mm. Uh, One of my listeners, Andrew Pike, says uh, electromagnetic radiation from cell phones, computers, etc. is also responsible for reducing sperm count. Is Is that being found to be true? I'm not really an expert in that field, so I can't really comment on that. Okay, so what do we do to help people with such prob- with such problems? How do you uh, improve and increase your sperm cell count? Yes, so if many of the lifestyle factors are causing these these declines, of course, you can look at those factors. So it is reversible, and you can actually improve your sperm count. So there is hope for us yet. So look at your lifestyle, make sure that you have a varied diet, exercise is excellent not just for your reproductive health but for your overall health. And then managing your stress is absolutely so important because stress doesn't only make you feel jittery and uncomfortable and not nice, it actually has a physical effect on the body and that over time can cause disease and really just 
crammed down feeling that really isn't good for you. So the lifestyle factors you need to take care of, but interesting is rooibos tea can actually also help you um, increase your sperm count if you enjoy drinking rooibos tea. And how does it how does it help? So rooibos tea is obviously packed with amazing antioxidants. It's been proved scientifically to fight the diseases that we spoke about earlier. Those are diabetes. It helps to manage stress by lowering the stress hormone cortisol. It can also fight obesity, and it's been proven to actually fight heart disease. But on top of that, there was a study done by the Cape Peninsula University of Technology where they, um, at the biomedical sciences department, took for 10 weeks, they fed rodents rooibos tea as well as Chinese green tea. And after that time, there was a significant improvement in the sperm count on the rats that took the rooibos tea in the, in the daily dose. Right, thank you so much for uh, speaking to us, uh, a urologist. It's always a hard name to wrap around the tongue. So Professor Shingai Mutambira works at Medunsa and he has obliged us. Thank you so much. Short notice, uh, uh, Prof, but thank you so much for coming on board and talking to us. No, no problem, no problem. So let's talk about uh, male fertility. I spoke earlier on, but because you're the expert on this, um, let's just go back to the basics. If we're talking about uh, a healthy sperm count, um, why do you need 100 million sperm cells per milliliter for the purposes of fertility? Okay, um, that's actually a very interesting question. We think it's evolutionary. But the point is that when you're looking at the Now, when you look under a microscope, the sperm
worm looks sort of like, a bit like like a tadpole with a with a, a head and then a tail, the middle part part and a tail. And to do, do surprisingly, the majority of men um, have more abnormal looking sperm than normal sperm. In fact, you only have to have about between three and five percent of normal sperm to actually have what's called a normal semen test. And the reason for that is that a part of, we don't know actually I know exactly what the reason again is, but we suspect some of the sperm, the so-called abnormal sperm, some of them have big heads, some have pointy heads, some have multiple two heads and three heads. They might be involved possibly with getting rid of other other people's for other sperm in evolutionary terms if they were trying to penetrate the, the, the cervix of the female and that sort of thing. But the only the normal looking sperm are the ones that are able to make babies. So there's actually a relatively small proportion of most people's ejaculate that actually has the normal sperm. Now, second of all, they have to be able to swim. We know that the, when the sperm is penetrating the egg, it has to go through something called the zona pellucida, which is an area around the egg which protects it. And it's got a head which then just opens up the area so it can get into the egg. And there are lots of reasons why this is happening. We know that there's attractants from the egg that can actually attract the sperm and that sort of thing. So it's actually a bit of a hit and miss because there's actually quite a, they're not that, that huge numbers of normal sperm. They have to be swimming properly. They have to get to the egg. And then once they get to the egg, once they penetrate, they have to be able to be, be fit enough basically to, to, uh, to, mm. to fertilize that egg. Now the thing is, Okay. No, Prof, I just wanted to ask a quick question. I've got callers on the line and I hope you'll indulge us further and and talk to them because I know I had one anonymous caller who wanted to uh, get at least medical uh, opinion on why he's in the situation that he is. But I just want to go back to what you said. So are you saying ejaculation in terms of the sperm count when one through the masturbation process and when one is, say, trying to procreate, then there's a it's different? It is it, well. Masturbation. Uh, if you're doing the masturbatory specimen, that's just for us to look at. But the point is that we, when we're looking at it, we're assuming that that's what you normally are going to be ejaculating into a woman for whatever purpose. And the thing is that we remember. If maybe I should just step back a little. Remember that sperm and eggs are actually, although they contain some of your genetic material, they only contain half of the amount that a normal cell in your body would have. So they're actually not exactly the same as you. So the thing is, that, and there can be mutations and problems that happen. So that's what causes a lot of the issues when patients, when when you have when you're ejected, when you're having intercourse, you're trying to make a baby, then you you your the eggs your your half genes, which are 23, uh, 23 X or 23 Y in a man, in a female is 23 XX. They mm-hmm. need to combine with the opposite genes so that they can actually form a baby. And that depends a lot on other factors as well. In fact, with the normal, what we call the meiotic process, where this is, where we split ourselves into half of the normal uh, genetic material. Let's go to some voices. Hi, it's David here. It's obvious why the male sperm count could suffer minimal supply when taking into consideration lifestyles of today and that procreation is no longer the preserve of the married couples. Thank you, bye. I'm a man who is aged uh, 33 years old. I had an operation for testicle torsion in um, 1998 and then uh, I had my first child in 2008. But as of now, uh, me and my wife, we've had miscarriages uh, two times. Can this be a can this be caused by a lower sperm count or what? 
Hi, um, this is Dr. Godfrey calling from Stellenbosch. Um, I would like to answer the previous caller who was talking about um, two teaspoons of um, sperm. Um, it's not the volume um, you produce, it's the quality. So you can produce volumes and volumes, but if the quality of that sperm is not up to standard, then you're having problem. Like we have people with um, um, watery sperm and all sort of things. So it's the quality, and this can be hindered by a whole lot of stress, habits such as smoking, drinking. So it goes on and on. So you can actually have a lot of sperm in terms of volume, but if the quality is not up to standard, then it's not up to standard. Thank you. Right, so I do believe we have Professor Shingai Mutambira back on the line with us. Uh, he works at Mudunsa. Apologies for that. It seems like no, the, the weather may be affecting even our <laughs> telephone lines. So I've got Anonymous, I'm guessing, that I've got Anonymous back on the line. Uh, he was there a short while ago. Anyway, so let's go to Sunil's point. I think he was talking about, I don't know if, if it's uh, mobile phones and wireless radiation. I think that's what he was hinting at. Um, is that a factor in... Uh, reduction of fertility, male fertility. Sorry, you, 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 I didn't quite hear the question. You were saying... Uh, wireless radiation, mobile phones. So, Sunil, okay, I believe he is back on the line. Sunil, can you just be very brief with your question, please? Yeah, sorry sorry about that. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, as I said, uh, colleagues of mine have been uh, diagnosed with testicular cancer, etc. Right. And uh, it's also another issue that uh, was uh, brought up over another radio station that I've heard that when men drive, they leave the cellular phone uh, uh, on the driver's seat between the legs. <laughs> so uh, there's radiation there as well. So there seems to be a link between uh, fertility and uh, radio, radiation from radio waves, either through communication or other means of technology. All right. Uh, thanks, Sunil. Uh, so I'd like to know what's uh, Professor's opinion on this. Prof? been a lot of talk about that sort of thing, but the fact of the matter, when we're looking at it, the data doesn't actually support the radio waves from cell phones or anything else, although that is a, has been a concern that's been investigated. In fact, if you look at the amount of radiation that's exposed, that it could radiation do know can cause damage to the sperm, and if you like, for example, you've had cancer or whatever, and you get radiotherapy for the, for the treatment of the cancer, it can interfere with fertility both for men and for women. But the amount that's coming from cell phones is actually quite minute, and generally most of the data has not shown that. In fact, most of the radiation that men that humans are exposed to is actually created by medicine, to be honest. About 70% of your radiation exposure is medical. And I think it would be more important to, if you have a, a specific cancer or you've been getting x-rays and things like that, you need to maybe just discuss a little bit with your doctor about that, although the amount that you get from a simple x-ray is not that high as well. All right, Prof, I've got another anonymous. So it's not the f- original anonymous. It's another anonymous on the line who's got a question for you. Hi, anonymous. Hi, good evening. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I just wanted to find out, um, say, for instance, my husband is like 50 years old, and um, he had a vasectomy about, say, 20 years ago. What is his chances of getting me pregnant? Okay, that's a very good question. Vasectomy, which is basically the the testicles have a tube which is called the vas, which runs up towards the prostate, and we tie that off to cause what is basically permanent infertility in men. 
know. if they want to, if they're not looking for children. And it's a very effective thing. It's very safe. It has no real side effects of significance as well. Now, if we do that procedure, you've got about 99% chance that you won't be able to get the sperm traveling through the tube to the area where the patient ejaculates. But the ejaculate will still look normal because most of what we ejaculate is coming from the seminal vesicle and the prostate, as I said earlier. Now, if you want to reverse it, we used to say that within the first 10 years, after 10 years, it can be very difficult for them for you to re- reconnect and get that thing working. But the reality is that if you're in the right hands, you're using getting a person who's done a lot of them, they're using what we call a microscope to actually look at the, the, the vat. It's a relatively big operation. It can take a couple of hours and stuff like that. But you have up to about an 80% chance, if it's reconnected, that you will get viable sperm getting into your ejaculate eventually. That doesn't always mean you'll get pregnant, but it does mean that you, there are the possibility there. And of those 80%, you're probably looking at a thumbs up. About 70% of those 80% will be able to make make the person uh, pregnant. Having said that, the the procedure itself is it's not a terribly difficult procedure. You have a very very dangerous procedure. But there are other options if you don't want to just go for that operation. For example, collecting sperm from the with a needle under an ultrasound guidance from the testicle itself and using those in what we call um, artificial reproductive techniques, also very good and effective therapies as well. The biggest problem for all of these things is that most of them have quite a significant cost, but you are basically the short answer is that you can still fall pregnant for the majority of patients. Prof, this is my final question, and I'm not being facetious. Fact or fiction, do tight clothes, some of these tight suits we see out there, do they impact on male fertility? Yeah, the short answer is yes. We know that the main reasons why men's fertility has gone down in the last uh, 50 years or so is very multifactorial. We know it's something to some of, these, some of the suspicions are that some of the estrogenic um, the, uh, female hormone um, chemicals, in, for example, are canned and things have been influenced. The increased amount of of, 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 of of ambient radiation, the fact that lifestyles have changed can be affected like that. But the thing is that the whole point of everything about this, when it comes to the tight trousers, that is an insignificant thing for patients with uh, infertility. Because remember, 15% of the population will be infertile. And we do know that everything about the, t- the scrotum and the testicle is about temperature control, be it from the hairs that are around there, from the fact that it hangs down when it's cold, when it's warmer and gets pulled up closer to the, the body when it's hot. The, the, the different coatings of the, of the scrotum as well, everything, and the blood flow, everything. It's all about temperature control because the testicles need a temperature about one degree Celsius less than the rest of the body to make sperm. And if you don't have that, then you have a problem, for example, of undefended testicles and things like that. So if you have, have got a problem with fertility, it is worth having an assessment and possibly wearing looser underwear, less tight trousers. But for the average population of men, it probably doesn't make that much of a difference for the majority of guys. Good afternoon. Thank you for an amazing show. Um, I just want to say in regards to fertility, I really think that, um, especially in South Africa, you know, we are, you know, really under pressure. And I think stress really plays a very big um, role in in fertility. Um, Obviously, you know, also just hearing you say about being in a recession, and I think a lot of us even think, well, gosh, you know, what have we actually been going through? Surely, how, you know, how wor- how much worse can things get? And I think people, honestly, are extremely stressed out. Um, lifestyles are difficult. People spend at least two to three hours a day just on the road getting to and from jobs. Um, never mind the strikes and everything else, the food prices increasing, petrol, that kind of thing. And I think it really does play a very big part on infertility.
Ah, it's a piece. So yeah, Brett here from Cape Town. Look, I think that uh, you know it really has to do with you know our environmental factors, uh, you know diet, exercise, that kind of thing. I would love to hear, you know, uh, sorry, a comparison, uh, uh, you know, global comparison, you know, depending on where exactly you are. So you know, someone who is from a rural area somewhere in the Congo versus, you know, uh, someone in a developed city. Um, you know, and then maybe a mine worker, someone who's exposed to, you know, difficult, sorry, to different sort of uh, circumstances and environmental sort of factors uh, compared to, you know, someone who's like really, really busy in a city in a cushy job, you know, because th th that, that would give us an idea of, 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 you know, the factors, I think. This is Dr. Godfrey again. Um, just to answer the question, why do you need 100 million um, liter of spam? Um, it's just to give um, the, because um, it's just to give you the opportunity or to give the sperm the opportunity for many sperms um, to be able to make it to the egg, and obviously there's a whole lot of them knocking through. And at the end of the day, um, only one or two, um, in the case of twins or three, as it might stand. But the reason you need that much is that so that you the chances of pregnancy or um, fertilization occurring it's greater as against only one, if let's say um, we produce only one, then the chances of it um, will be very, 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 very minimal. So yes, the more um, quality sperm you produce, the more chances of pregnancy. And um, there's a whole lot of dimension to this, but I hope this answered the question. Thank you.